0: This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. This episode reflects the purpose of this show. We know that as you go on your journey to living the one thing, while it is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results, it's not easy. Life throws us curveballs where suddenly we don't have clarity on what our one thing is, or maybe our time blocks are tougher to protect. Maybe all the models and systems that we had in place are being tested because we're taking on more and we're looking for higher levels of achievement. How in those moments do we use the one thing to get back on track? The person you are going to meet today is a member of our Living Your One Thing community. And when he was building his career as a successful executive, counterbalancing with having a great family life with his wife and his kids, his world was turned upside down by having a series of strokes. Before you knew it, simple tasks were no longer so simple. And through that, he used the one thing to put his life back together. As you listen to this episode today, ask yourself the question, where in my life am I thinking big and acting big? Rather than thinking big, going small, and trusting that the dominoes will fall. With that, let's get into this episode with member of our Living Your One Thing community, Chris Hoffman.
1: Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including Popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover 60 more add ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. When did you come across the book?
2: It was in the late fall, early winter of 2018. And it's funny, I was wandering in a Barnes and Noble for some reason. Probably my wife was around the area shopping in some other store and I came across the, the jacket and it just said, you know, the, the uh, surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And I was like, that's for me, I, I'm simple. And I love extraordinary results.
0: What was going on in your life that the one thing just really seemed to, to identify with you?
2: You know, nothing specifically, I would say that overall things were going well. Uh, the, it, it's the kind of uh, material that I enjoy reading. And the the title struck me and the pitch struck me. And I felt like it's something that I could use to continue to develop my my leadership and my impact community and, and at work, you know, blessed to have a great family life and things going well. But overall, I can tell you that my my feeling was that I had become stressed kind of with a burning candle at both ends type of a schedule. And I was probably lacking the clarity and focus that I should have at home and at work. And uh, I wasn't intentionally expending my energy and my experience. And I was also easily frustrated when I would catch myself in those cycles. So I think that's probably why I ultimately chose to purchase it.
0: Well, give us a little more background because you're talking about something that I think a lot of people can resonate with, which is you're working hard, but working long hours is actually cheating. You just cheat yourself out of what it (laughs) <laughs> means to live life. right? So help us understand a little bit more about your role and what life looked like at that point in time.
2: Sure. Yeah, I'm married. I've been married for 24 years. My my wife, Heather, we have two kids who were both in college at this point in time last year, who were both very active, which required us to do... It didn't require, but it led us to do a lot of traveling on the weekends because they're both about 600 miles away. So very, very busy and scheduled with a lot of travel. And then my role... Professionally, was is as a uh, a vice president and sales manager for Jim Core Agencies, which is a, a national independent wholesale insurance company. And uh, I work with our clients there, and also facilitate some sales training and some development for both our clients and associates. But it's been a it's been a challenging time uh, where we're trying to grow and uh, a lot of irons in the fire. And then also just very involved in other community organizations and things where I felt like I was probably stretched a little thin and not being as impactful as I could be.
1: Hmm.
0: So we fast forward and, and something happens in your, in your life where your world really changes. Walk us through that.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think it, it makes sense to say that uh, at the time, I was 48 years old, in, in generally excellent physical condition, uh, training and exercising frequently. And in February, I had a very significant stroke. I had a cerebellar stroke, which is in the back part of my brain. The first time I spent about eight nights in the ICU. there was a tremendous amount of pain, uh, the loss of physical ability, some you know balance issues, and then just the sheer terror that my family had to endure was probably the most painful part.
0: Hmm. You have a stroke, you get out of the hospital. What are you thinking?
2: <laughs> you know, I, I had uh, I had spent a fair bit of time, kind of. Hopefully, building myself up, building up my my own mental toughness, and educating myself about you know what to do when adversity strikes, and and uh, you know I, I think I was prepared to begin to overcome it. But what I wasn't prepared for was that my life was at literally zero in every category, with the exception of having loving family and friend relationships. What do you or, mean by that? I mean literally, I was I was physically at a zero, my work life it felt like a zero because i was detached i was unable to contribute out of the loop for a period of time my uh, you know my community involvements had ceased so all the things that i had felt were a big part of my identity were at this point you know at a zero like on a scale and it was it, it was a, it was a difficult time because mentally i felt kind of broken and i was also having a lot of trouble concentrating which didn't help me reason through things. But you know, I did, I did feel like I had the mental toughness to begin to rebuild. And, and uh, there's a guy, Tim Kite, who has a quote, says, when adversity strikes, what you find within you is what you have built within you. And I felt like I had built enough within me to overcome it. And to be honest, there was just this moment where I remembered the book. And I started thinking, yeah, the one thing, let me find that. Let me dig it out. Let me see what direction it can give me. Because after reading it, I I, I thought all the concepts made perfect sense. I identified with a lot of the beliefs, but I didn't make the decision to actively begin practicing it. So now after the stroke, I knew I needed some kind of a system or a plan to help me climb back up after being knocked down. I was used to feeling capable and being a can-do type of a person, a person of high energy, of sound fitness, and I had lost that. So I started picking up the book and asking the focusing question.
0: (laughs) What, when you asked yourself post-stroke, trying to put your life back together, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. What came to your mind?
2: (laughs) I wish my wife was here because to be honest, (laughs) the the answer was be a good patient at first. (laughs) Hmm. which for somebody like me was a difficult thing to be. I literally wanted to go back to my lifestyle, my level of activity, and I don't want to oversell it. Like I'm not an Olympic athlete or the hardest working person in the world, but I was used to a certain level of productivity and activity in my life, and I enjoyed that level of activity. And I needed to be a good patient to even get to the point where I could start to rebuild, where I could start to walk outside by myself or I could take the trash cans in at the end of trash day.
0: You fast forward, what happened?
2: Well, it, it, at first it was simple things that I was accomplishing. And they they made me feel like I had accomplished something the entire day that I was pretty much home. you know, feeling relatively unproductive. So it made me feel like I was actually succeeding. And there were simple things like I painted a bathroom door. I made a couple phone calls to people that I had been meaning to call but never had intentionally actually written down that I was going to do it. At one point I was in the car and I knew that the one thing that I could do was call my mom because there was nothing else I could really do in the car. I was riding in the car and I thought, you know, my mom needs to know that I'm okay. Hmm. And that was my one thing at that moment.
0: Here's what's interesting about what you're sharing Chris is It makes sense post-stroke when you're literally having to rebuild at that level. It's it's The dominoes are so small. This is one of the biggest pitfalls people fall into when they're trying to live the one thing. Normally, is they think big and they try to act big. Rather than understanding, the book says, think big, go small. Not transform my health. It's when I get out of bed, I will put on my gym shoes. (laughs) <laughs> or, you're right, it's it's the little two-inch domino that if you just flick it down, doesn't seem like it's that significant itself. But when the dominoes are lined up over time, it truly unleashes extraordinary results in your life. It I'm ab- hearing that's all you did.
2: I, it absolutely did. And it, there's so many examples, and it's fun actually to look back at my first 411s to see how many little tiny things that I crushed. And then when I got back to work, my momentum had picked up. So now I was getting scale in the things that I was doing. And I it helped me really actually feel really more productive than I probably expected to be at that point in time because I had reached momentum and scale at that point. And, and I was finishing my 411 priorities you know a week or two ahead of time. And that did something else that was really cool.
0: Well, but, so before we dive into that, for people, if you're listening to this and you're going, what is a 411? Pause the interview and go over to the thing.com slash training. That's with the number one in the URL. And under the basics courses, you'll see one about the 411. It's a tool that we use to help individuals, teams, and ultimately organizations have clarity on their priority and a rhythm for accountability. So it's very, very powerful. So Chris, walk us through what happened.
2: So I'm finishing my priorities on my 411 a week or two ahead of time, relatively consistently after the first month or so. and Amazingly, I felt so much less stress. All the stress I had felt about kind of retaking my place and reassuming my duties in all areas, the stress from that just dissipated because I knew that I was taking care of what I had planned to take care of. And that led to a whole nother level of empowerment and freedom.
0: Here's what I'm curious about, Chris. We see people in our Living in One Thing community who are doing a weekly 411. Every week, they have time blocked for their planning time where they identify what are, their, what are my priorities this week so that I know I'm on track for my month, so I know I'm on track for my year. And even when they might have clarity on their priorities, sometimes there's a gap between the clarity and the execution. What did you start doing?
2: I just started following the time blocking. For me, because I was still living a slightly unconventional, schedule. It, it helped me feel in control of my schedule and my priorities at work and at home. And it, keep in mind, I was factoring in things like my health, rehab, doctor's appointments, business appointments, working with my team in the office. So I was I was kind of living in a non-conformist professional lifestyle, but the time blocking made sure I was still feeling like I had full control.
0: So I want to be really clear with people when they hear this because you listed off time blocking a lot of things. Did you immediately start blocking everything or was it baby steps?
2: No, no. I, I was baby steps at first because at first, I was having, still having a hard time concentrating for long periods of time. So I knew I could only schedule in a couple of activities when I knew I was going to feel fresh and capable.
0: Great. What were some of those activities?
2: You know, Very simple things like whatever minimal exercise I was allowed to do, and maybe one or two critical professional tasks.
0: Okay. And what was the time of day you found that you were at your best?
2: It was typically mid-morning.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I'm asking these questions for a reason for, for you who's listening to this. One of the biggest mistakes we see people make when they think about time blocking is they try to block everything. They block the entire day. And when they miss... One time block, they feel like a failure. This is another example of thinking big and acting big. And Chris, your story is all about thinking big and going small. So what I'm hearing is, even when it came to time blocking, being really clear, okay, if I can just get this minimal exercise or these handful of priorities for work, and I know I'm going to be at my best mid-morning. So let me block... How much time were you blocking?
2: I was probably blocking a total of two hours.
0: Okay, two hours. Can I just make a stand around that? What happened when you did that?
2: I was I was knocking it out of the park. And the next thing it led me to do was to start enlisting support by sharing this with my team and my family.
0: Okay, let's dive in. What did that conversation look like?
2: <laughs> well, you know, my team I, I guess uh is used to a certain amount of either nonconformist inspiration or energy from me. And I think originally, they just thought this was just another Chris idea that we were going to try to execute. But What I really needed them to understand was, I was dealing with some different norms that I wanted them to understand. And I also wanted to expose them to it so they could consider adopting it for themselves.
0: What were some of those things you wanted them to adopt?
2: I was, I was really excited. We, we, do a, we do a weekly face-to-face on Tuesdays with my team. And I was really excited to see if I could get them, some of them working, working on a 411. Hmm. And I also wanted us to have common vocabulary so they could understand my methodology a little bit more.
0: What What does that language look like over time?
2: <laughs> well, I, the language is is what it is when I consistently am asking them, going to their desks and saying, Hey, how are you? What's your one thing right now? Okay, so they need to know that vocabulary. And in addition, we started something where... I handed out pictures of the copy of the book. And I told everybody, when you're doing it, just tape it to your door or your queue. Mm-hmm. And then we discussed, we role played, how is this going to work when somebody comes and wants to talk to you and ask you a question and they have their thing on the door. And it's going to be like, did you see my one thing? Yeah, but I want to talk to you about this account. Well, I would love to talk to you about that account, but that's not my one thing right now. And I still love you, but I'll talk to you later. And it literally happened an hour after the meeting when I introduced it. How long ago was that? That was probably close to three months ago. What's happened in the last 90 days? Oh my gosh. It, my, no one even darkens my doorway when I have that up. And I don't leave it up when I'm not doing my one thing. And I don't shut the door when I put it on. But they know it. And they will do it now as well. And they will, they'll talk about it. And they'll talk about it. They'll come out and they'll go, Oh, I was just doing my one thing.
0: Oh, it was good. That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: So then the other piece of vocabulary that I wanted to introduce was earning the right. You you guys say it all the time. And I'm like, okay, well, let me see if I can pull this off with anybody laughing at it. So I actually had one of the guys on my team call. And I said, hey, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm on my way home. But right now I'm in Home Depot. He said, I'm looking for a fireproof safe. I said, okay, that's cool. He goes, but I'm probably not going to buy one. I'm like, okay, well, why not? He well, I've needed one for a long time. We have some important documents that I really need put in there with some family history stuff and some legal stuff. And I know I should have it in a fireproof safe, but I don't. But I'm leaving. I'm not getting it. I'm tired. I I just want to go home. I said, okay. I said, you're not beholden to this. This is not a professional conversation, but I said, what if you told yourself that you didn't earn the right to go home Unless you went home with a fireproof safe, what happened? You got a safe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's and I, right. And this is the the ultimate the ultimate coincidence. Is right after that, his wife became a Keller Williams agent, hmm. and he is now getting it from both sides. Ah, oh, there you go. And they're, they're living account, the accountability cycle and the one thing on a whole new level. And it's hysterical because he comes into my office now and he gives it to me because they're doing it over the dinner table.
0: Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Alturas COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great quality applicants apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how he found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter.com for free at our exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash one thing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash O-N-E-T-H-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter.com slash one thing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And, And the point I want to make for you who's listening to this is, you know, these are just Gary Keller was the co-author of the book. So a lot of this is ingrained in the KW culture. And while uh, I'd say the vast majority, probably 90% of the people that listen to the show have n- nothing to do with real estate. You guys are across the board. What it is, is it's, it's an example of what it looks like when you have the ideas that become cultural. It's just, it leads to extraordinary results. So that's that's really cool. Talk to me about the mindset of your people because I know that... In a corporate setting, just based on the work we've done in these companies, there's this unspoken rule that as an individual contributor or when you have a boss that you have to say yes when they stop by and ask if you've got a minute or if they're asking you to do something. It means you have to drop everything to do that. What has changed over the last 90 days with your people?
2: <laughs> well, you know, talking about enlisting support, which is, which is one of the things you guys talk about in the book, it penetrated my world, and so on such a deep level at work that I felt like I had to buy a copy and share it with our CEO hmm. because I report to her, and I wanted her to at least know what the heck I was doing and talking about. And once I kind of went through it a little bit with her and explained it to her, and said we're exploring it with our team, you know, not in a heavy-handed way, but just in a way to to try to optimize what they're doing, and I feel it applies very well to our business, and. She she enjoyed the material and and what I've explained to her to the degree that we've discussed it with several other teams and had excellent feedback. So and I think that was that was spurred on by just my my experience of seeing it be so effective.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. One thing we know is that the the journey to living the one thing is kind of like a roller coaster. You have some high highs, but when you're riding high, you could absolutely have something happen. And all of a sudden, you can fall off the wagon and you're riding a low, trying to pick yourself back up and you're climbing again. I'm curious for you on your journey, was it always just absolute bliss living the one thing? Or has it been a little volatile?
2: <laughs> it's been a little volatile, I would say, for the one main reason, which is you you become... A person on a mission with a bias to action, and not only
0: say that again.
2: You become a person on a mission with a bias to action.
1: Hmm.
2: When you write this stuff down, you're making a deal with yourself that you're going to do it. And when I I talked to you about before about it was Friday at 4:55, and there was one item left on the weekly section of my 411, and it was an idea I had been kicking around for close to a year and a half. And it was a little out there. But because I wrote it down, I thought I've already agreed with myself that I'm going to do this. So I clicked send on an email that was, there was nothing wrong with it, but it was bold. And my bias to action has led to some interesting conversations with regard to not every idea is a good one, but it's okay to to put some things out there. I believed in it enough to put it on my 411. And more of the things I've executed have worked out than haven't, but there's been a few times.
0: What I'm hearing you say, Chris, is because you were living the one thing, because you started using some of the tools like a 411, you had time on a weekly basis that you actually sat down and got clear about what your priorities were. That made it easier for you to understand what you should be time blocking on your calendar or paper planner. And that way, when it's 4.55 on a Friday afternoon, when a lot of people are probably going, what kind of cocktail am I going to have? You're looking at your 4.11 and going, oh, snap, there's one thing I didn't get done. Let me knock this out real quick. And you knocked that domino down.
2: Absolutely. you know, I I feel like I I owe it to my 4.11 because I time blocked my planning time and I gave considered thought to what actions I really should be taking. And I'm not afraid to rewrite them. If I'm, if I'm uncomfortable or unsure, I'll rewrite them. I'll scratch some things out. I'll change some things and add some things. But if I get to the end of the week and it's still on there, it means I probably ought to be doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I also think that, you know, and the, you know, the, the earn, the earn the right concept me on task. And it makes me commit to the decisions that I've made.
0: That's right. And and for, for some context, when people... If you're going, what does earn the right mean? When we coach people to a 411 or every month, we have a group coaching call for our the people in our membership, where we'll pull somebody up, we'll spotlight members, and they'll show their 411s. And we'll ask them, if you could only do one, th- one thing this week, what's the one thing that's going to make the biggest impact? They'll say it. And then we'll say, great should you earn the right to do anything else? What would the second thing be? And they tell us, should you earn the right to do anything else? What would it be? They'll say the third thing. These questions are insanely powerful. We're really good at making a list of all the things we could do. And some of us aren't fully developed in being able to list them in order of priority. And until your number one priority is done, Everything else is just a distraction.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I would also say that the skill level and clarity in doing it over and over improves you. You get better at it. You get better at the focusing question. You get better at completing the four one one, which has then made me go back and rewrite my GPS a few times. And you know, again, admitted that I probably wasn't in the best state when I started writing my GPS originally. But I, I feel pretty good about it now, and I think the other thing is, you know, it, I, I don't know what you call it. Is it a system? Is it a tool? Whatever it is, but it's a practice in my mind.
0: Yeah, it's and, a and, practice. That... And, and, and for everybody who's listening, a GPS is a one-page business plan. Which again, if you go to that one thing.com slash training, you'll see a free video on that as well. But the, the, here's the thing: I'm, I'm interested in what you're saying, Chris. Is you're touching on the idea that it is a practice. What I'm hearing you say is it's not like you sat down to do your business plan or to do your 401 and poof, it was perfect or that it was easy. But over time, it's a muscle you've strengthened.
2: Absolutely. And, and I, I think it's different. It's not a spreadsheet. It's not a planner. It, it's, a, it's a practice. It's something that you are practicing. And what it actually does is it develops and shapes the behavior skills you need to improve your decision making.
0: MMm Well, you just touched on something I thought was really interesting when we were doing some research about how this scales inside a, a corporate setting. What makes a great individual contributor is they see everything that needs to be done for their role, and they get it done. And then they get promoted into leadership. <laughs> but the, the rules change, because suddenly, as a leader, your job is no longer to run through walls. Your job is actually to make great decisions and succeed through others. And the skill set that got you into leadership is not the skill set that makes you a great leader. Part of the tools of the one thing being the GPS and the 411 is you teach someone at any level, including just individual contributor, how to think and make decisions. You're developing the next generation of future leaders and most people don't even realize it.
2: 100%. And, and I it's a very funny coincidence. Can I tell you a funny anecdote? You sure may. Well, on Labor Day, this is after I sent you a little outline that we were going to talk about today. I was in the gym and then doing some work around the house. And I listened to episode 44 of The Mentee. Mm. And then I followed it up with episode 205 of The One Thing, which were both mostly about asking questions. Mm-hmm. So now here I am. I had been on vacation last week. So I'm feeling a little detached from my team even though I kept in touch. I decided that I was going to go in and pose them a question to prep for my Tuesday one-on-ones that we were going to talk about. And I am honestly telling you, I didn't realize I was asking them a one thing question, so <laughs> I wrote it and delivered it to them. What was it? The question was basically, what's the one thing you can do in the ne- over the next 4 months? to assure that you finish the, the year strong and hit your goals.
0: What were the answers to that question?
2: Well, I sent it to him and I said, you got a couple of hours. We'll talk about it in our one-on-ones and if you're not ready, I realize I didn't give you a whole lot of time. We can talk about it next week. We got 4 months, okay? I don't I don't want a half-baked answer. So <laughs> one individual she said, "You know, I thought a lot about this." I thought, "Okay, cool. You actually thought. Good." And she said, I think the key to my next four months is finding a way to make my services meaningful to my clients.
1: Hmm.
2: And I was like, boom, my my head about exploded. I thought it really is all about asking a good question.
0: Is that, is that where the answer stands?
2: That's where the answer stands. We flushed it out a little bit more.
0: Okay, great. So this is where when we when we do workshops inside these companies, this is the next step. What, what I just heard is a 31st domino. When you open the book and you see the the graphic of like, oh, you knocked the two-inch domino down, but by the 18th, it's the Leaning Tower. 31st, it's 3,000 feet about Mount Everest. So the, the follow-up question to that is, what do you think it is?
2: What do you need to do before you're, to make them, make it meaningful to them? What's the one thing you can do
0: such that by doing it would make your services meaningful to your clients? And she will come up with another answer that's probably a result and still too big. And so you ask, well, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make doing that easier or unnecessary? And you keep whittling it down until she gives an answer that is so simple, it almost feels like cheating. (laughs) And that's when you know it's the lead
2: domino. Yeah, very similar to the experience we had. I I would also say that when people listed, when they said, well, I don't have one, I have two. It's like, okay, okay, well, we can talk about two, but ultimately, we're going to pick one. (laughs) if you could only choose one, which would it be? Correct. And the interesting thing was, in several of the cases, they didn't choose the one that I originally was predisposed to think they would choose.
0: Ooh, this is gold. Say more.
2: The example was, one was, a certain type of marketing activity. And the other one was high revenue sales strategy. So I'm thinking this person wants to hit their numbers badly. They're going to pick the high revenue sales strategy. And they didn't. They believed that they had built enough relationships that the only different difference was that the person wasn't effectively marketing the various solutions that she had to offer.
0: What do you think is so powerful about coming from the position of asking a question rather than telling?
2: You've given someone permission and the opportunity to control their own destiny and arrive at what they believe and will commit to.
0: Which ultimately gives them a sense of what?
2: Ownership. Boom.
0: That's right. This is such a blessing because... I think a lot of us who listen to this show are high drivers. We move fast and it's faster to tell somebody what to do. Why won't they just do it? And ultimately, it's because they're not truly committed. And they're not committed because they don't actually feel like they own the answer, the idea, the result. And when we slow down for just a few more seconds and ask a question, sometimes they give the answer that you were thinking of, but now they have true buy-in. And sometimes they give you an answer. An answer that's better than the one you would have come up with. And that
2: that's... was certainly that was certainly the case. And and can I admit something to you? Oh yeah, it was unbelievably coincidental that I happened to listen to the, both of those episodes at random about asking questions, decided to ask the question or come up with a question, and I when I started getting the answer, when I actually when I started asking the questions, I felt a little bit like a pretender. Mm. Because it's not typically my style, but I had already decided that I was going to try it on and see how it worked, and I felt like I was pretending to be Jeff.
0: Hmm. Don't need to be. Don't need to be. What I what I love. I mean, Chris, I don't even think you realize you know the 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 knowledge bombs that you're dropping. This this is gold because the reason we love the show is it gives you who's listening a chance to to hear a story on a weekly basis to reinforce. The, the lessons, because it's a long journey. You need the reinforcement. And we are an example of what it looks like to live the book. Chris, you are an example of what it looks like to live the one thing. Casey Gosell is an example of what it looks like to work as a working mom. The question is, how will you live your one thing? What does that look like for you? Chris, what advice would you give to somebody? along this journey to to stay consistent?
2: I would say focus on the practice and that the concept that you've been repeatedly introducing, which is it's the journey to mastery that we need to focus on. And the journey itself is very fulfilling, but you will get such great clarity by practicing. You'll be amazed at how much the focusing question becomes second nature to everything that you do.
0: That's right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being willing to share your story. I mean, this is what the podcast is about. Featuring people like you that are living it and are on their journey. So we really sincerely appreciate you.
2: Can I ask you a question? You bet. Based on your experience and research what prevents people that have either read the book or been in, introduced to the concept through the podcast or other means, what prevents them from actively practicing the one thing?
0: They think big and they act big. <laughs> they, they, they read the book and they, they see time block four hours of your day for your one thing. And Gary and Jay are right. I mean, over time, you get there. And they don't feel like they have permission to call it a win. If they time block and protect 10 minutes, they say they want to transform their health and they think they suddenly have to go from exercising four times a month to exercising five days a week or every day. And they make that their 66 day challenge and they fail because their track record does not support them going from zero to 100 overnight. And that's not what the book says. The book says think big. Go small and trust the dominoes will fall. Nowhere in the book does it say, line up all of your dominoes and walk over to the 57th domino, the one that reaches almost from the Earth to Moon and knock that one down first. 56 dominoes have to fall before that. And that first domino is can I turn off the lights in my bedroom by 9.30 p.m. so I'm likely to be in my bed and asleep by 10 so that I can actually get up by 5.30 so that I could put on my gym clothes and actually get a workout in when currently I'm not.
2: I believe you. And I I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I have another theory. Please. I think once people are exposed to the material, they're fearful of how explosively powerful this would be in their life and how much their life might change.
0: I do believe on a subconscious level, the fear of success is real. I think it starts with a, uh, on a more conscious level, it's a fear of failure. And we've just seen this in the community, people will only let themselves feel like a failure for so long before they rewrite the rules of the game so they don't have to feel like a failure. And usually that comes in the form of giving up or saying, this won't work for me or this doesn't work inside my organization. But you've been hitting on this the entire episode. It's less about having all the answers right now on how to live it perfectly forever and more about becoming the type of person who asks the focusing question. If you can ask that question in any moment when you are struggling in your journey, if you can just go, well, what's the one thing I can do for that? such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And you give yourself permission to search past the wall of, I don't know. When you hit, I don't know, you go, okay, that's currently my limitation. Let's keep searching for an answer. You become that type of person, a whole new world opens up. Your possibilities are endless because now you can coach yourself. You get to iterate over time. And that is when you begin to follow the path of mastery.
2: Absolutely, I think people are they're tentative to explore what's beyond their self-imposed limitations.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I don't know, I don't know if it's you guys, if it was you or someone else who said, "You don't know what your ceiling is. Why should you worry about hitting it?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a Gary thing.
2: Yeah. So, sounds like a Gary
0: thing. Amen, bud. Well, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate you.
2: I, I thank you. The material has been very meaningful, and the podcast has been a, a blessing.
0: Well, there you have it. My conversation with Chris Hoffman. Chris is one of you. Somebody who read the book, who started listening to the podcast. He ultimately joined the Living Your One Thing community. Someone on his path of mastery. This is what the podcast is about, folks. It's not about going out and getting the biggest names in business or in productivity while we do get some of them. It's about featuring you. Do you have a story about living the one thing? So email us at mastery.com at theonething.com. We would love to hear your story. We want to feature people like you. And if this episode has motivated you to become more intentional, to get on that path of mastery, you've got lots of options. We would highly suggest you head over to theonething.com slash training. That's where we have a bunch of free courses. You can learn what it takes to become a member like Chris of the Living Your One Thing community. For those of you that want to start implementing... This with your family. Our couples goal setting retreat is right around the corner. If you want to get certified, if you want to bring it into your company, we got all the options there. It is one place at the one thing.com slash training. Here's what we hope you take from this the path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time. Think big, go small, trust the dominoes will fall. We appreciate you. If this episode has brought value to you, please. Please share it with one person that you know it will help. And if you are that person, please click the subscribe button. Every week, we have a new episode that comes out. That way, it will automatically download to your device of choice. And if this episode has brought value to you, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It really helps us live our purpose in changing the way that people view time. Thank you. And we'll be with you in the next episode.